So we're going to um, go through a little bit of uh, uh, some of the tools that are available to us and some of the stuff that we handed out to the kids. Uh, we're going to go through um, a little bit of how that works, and then I'm going to tell you why I don't use books anymore. <laughs> I love books. Uh, I really do. Uh, but unfortunately, they, they, there's so much more that is available if you know even a little bit of uh, technology. But we'll show you, we'll begin with at least a little bit of how the, the books work. But before we do that, um, when we talk about Bible interpretation, uh, we, we buy Bibles and we assume that off of the shelf they're all great. And most of them are. Most of them are fine. Uh, I would say most Bibles, you could teach someone how to be saved. I've actually taught people who were Jehovah's Witness from their Bible, and their Bible is awful. So, uh, and, and you can find the truth in there if you're looking for it. So, um, but I do want to uh, go through a little bit of Bible translations, um, because it is important to know your versions. Um, so there are different kinds of versions. Um, they, they have different purposes. Uh, do anybody know the first type of a Bible version? Or what the different classifications are. Okay, so so we have different King James comes to mind. That would fall in our first category, which is a word, what we call word for word translation. So a word for word translation, uh, the emphasis um, is on trying to relay it as accurately as it was written. Uh, what is a problem with relaying it as accurately as it was originally written? There are problems with that. Meanings of words change over time. Okay. So, so um, yes. Well, definitely in the English, the, the, the things, the English words change over time. There's another problem with that. In relaying the original Greek exactly as it was written, if we could do that or come close to doing that, there's still a problem. Oh man, yeah. yeah we, we obviously couldn't do that. Yes, they didn't. They, there was no punctuation. There was no spaces between words. Um, so, one of the biggest problems with the being word for word. I mean, we people who know Greek can tell where a word ends and whatnot. Just like if you learn, a, you know, when the first time you hear a foreign language and you hear them talk and you can't tell where one word ends and one word begins. It's like ah, when we went over to Ukraine, it was like I have no idea what in the world they're saying. Uh, you start to pick that out. And, and reading is the same way. You would start to pick that out even, you know. The problem is is that a lot of their thoughts are, or their idioms, if you translate them literally, it's, it's difficult. So there's places, we talked about the prince of the power of the air, right? That doesn't translate, you know. We still translate it uh, because uh, we're not just going to make stuff up. Uh, so, so there is a, there's other things like that. When we're talking about word-for-word translations, we understand there's limits on it. But that is obviously, if you're trying to get an accurate understanding, and we're trying to say, this is what the apostles wrote, then we want to be, um, you know, we want to be as clear. That's where we would begin. So some of these, the the versions that you would look at, and this might not be an entire list, but the ones that you would be looking at would be the King James or New King James. New King James is basically the King James except without the these and the thous. Um, 
So, uh, with the exception of anywhere that there's a prayer, King James, the New King James keeps it via now. Um, uh, the New American Standard um, and the Revised Standard Version are the four most well-known of the word-for-word translations. The next uh, translation is a thought, what we call a thought translation. So what, what does that sound like? No. What, okay, so I'm trying to relate to you how it would have sounded to them. They spoke a different language. They had a different culture. Um, the way they say things sounds different to them than it does to us. So, so I, I want to give you the idea. Now, what's the danger here? Okay, now I'm interpreting. I'm 2,000 years later. I don't necessarily know that. Okay? Um, I, have, I have difficulties because I'm not in that culture. And it, there's a certain amount of just being in the culture, you know it, and someone from outside can study it, and you can never, ever, ever, ever get it. Let me give you an example. Um, uh, and, we'll, and we'll talk... Well, you know, I'll, I'll hold off on that example because that actually will fit in a little bit better later. Um, but there's just things in culture. You can do your best. And that I'm not saying that these aren't valuable translations, but um, they're, they're good. It's, it's a good mix, you know, uh, if you're looking at different Bibles. Uh, so, so some of the ones um, I just put two in here because um, I don't know why I put a comma there. The NIV, and I would, uh, in a second I'll explain why I say the pre-1995 versions of the NIV. So these old ones that we have hanging around, those are good NIVs. I wouldn't trust anything. If you download NIV now, you're likely getting the new one. It is not worth the bandwidth <laughs> on, your, on your phone or the ink that it was used uh, to print them, um, and um, I'll explain why in just a second. But uh, they're usually, in this, the older ones, and what we call the ESV is a really good version, actually. Uh, that's what most of the ones that I put up here when I, you know, when I copy and paste and put them in the PowerPoints are from ESV, uh, mostly because I don't want to pay to get a <laughs> the, uh, the New King James Version on my computer. So... Uh, but the ESV is free, and so I, uh, I use that. But it is a, it's a good tool to have alongside a word for word. Um, so now we're going to move on. Uh, I don't English English Standard. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now we're going to move to ones that you don't need to have uh, in your. Uh, and yet these are biased translations. These are um, translations that are trying to push something. Uh, and when I buy Bibles, I bought a Bible for somebody once and I had to take it back because it was in a plastic case. And I usually, I have litmus, what I'd say, a litmus uh, verses that I go to just to see. Uh, just a couple of verses and I can tell pretty much where they're at on things. Um, so, and I'll get to that in just a second. But these are, uh, as I say, versions that try to push an agenda of some sort. 
Um, so, um, for example, anything under the Zondervan label right now, um, they, the, in 1995, I talked about 1995, um, they began a project to make a gender-neutral Bible as close as possible, okay? And that means um, feeding into all of the social stuff that's going on. Um, and and, and I'll, I'll, I'll show you some verses uh, that, um, depending on the Bibles that we have here, you might see or might not see. Um, but these are... Um, no, that is not correct. I did not uh, change that. Anyway, uh, so the new NIV, the new Living Translation, the uh, contemporary English version, that's the version I bought one time and had to return it. I'm like, nope, this is a piece of junk. <laughs> so, uh, and the Living Bible uh, are, are horrible. So let me give you some verses here. Uh, let someone want to look up, uh, who's got one of these? Does anybody have one of these versions? Like, Okay, um, so someone uh, with a newer NIV, uh, actually no, if you have a contemporary English version, that would be great. Anybody have one of those? No? No, don't worry about it. Uh, so, so let's, uh, I'll tell you what, I can, I can uh, give you what it will be because I, I have this one memorized in the, the, the biased version. Someone look up Acts 22.16 and, and read that in any version and then I'll give you what you'd find in some of these other ones. I don't know about the new NIV. It might not have this. Um, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Okay. Now, if you, if you look that up in the contemporary English version, you'd find the same verse, except it would have one extra word in there that is not in the original. 222? Uh, 22, What are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins by praying to the Lord. Okay. Oh, by praying. That's even different than the one I, I, I took back in 1995. Mine was uh, wash away your sins by calling on the name of the Lord. So, so you see, they've, they've, really, they've really interpreted that. That changes the entire concept. Um, if you take out the word by, then there's no, it, it's not saying the means by which. It's just saying you do this along with doing this or, or as a part of doing this. So, so calling on the name of the Lord is a, a part of washing away your sins. It, it's, it's not how you do it. But if I add that word by in there, well, that's a, that's a very important preposition. Um, and so uh, I, I, that's the first one I always turn to. Take it back. <laughs> so... Um, so they must, uh, that particular version, they must be using praying to the Lord yeah. as communication because... No, it's a faith-only translation. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, this says calling on the name of the Lord. Okay. Yeah. And how do we call on the name of the Lord? Right. And that's what I'm saying is if you leave it the way it is, it doesn't, it's not leading you to a particular interpretation. They can't let you make your own mind up as to what that means based on other scriptures. They want you to get all the way there in one verse to what their particular doctrine is. Um, 
Someone, uh, you, and you could probably look this up in a newer NIV. We're going to look up a couple of these because these are on the same um, uh, same wavelength here. Uh, 1 Timothy 2.12. 1 Timothy 2.12. Okay. What version are you using? NIV, the older NIV. The old, that's the older NIV. Anybody have a newer newer one? It has a slightly different thing or one of the alternate versions? And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. Okay, so those all are using have, and there will be a, a lot of the newer versions, and I, I thought the... Uh, the newer NIV has a different take on that, but it might be a different. Mine says to, uh, or to assume authority. Ah, there we go. To usurp or assume authority. In other words, what, and this is a part of that thing that they're trying to change. It's okay for a man to give her authority. See, she just can't assume it. Whereas to have it means she can't have it. Right? Like... The difference between having a cookie and taking a cookie, right? It's okay if I give you the cookie. No. But if, say, you can't have a cookie, period, right? If, if you're explaining that to the kid, the kid would like the, you know, the, the other, just some leeway in there for us to do. Uh, and, and that's what that agenda is. See, it's okay for us to install women as position because they haven't assumed it they haven't usurped it we've just given it to them um and and that that's a part of that that's not the original that's simply not the original in fact you will not find a single translation pre-1995 with that translation of assume or usurp not in any language at in any translation not even like good news for modern man i mean like none of them do it's not until the Zondervan thing and this whole new agenda. A similar one to that. Romans chapter 16, verse 1. Romans 16, verse 1. And again, there will be differences, and I'm not sure which translation does what. Okay. Centria? Does it say Centria? Okay. Say it. That's, that's pretty good. A helper? A deacon. Okay. A servant. Okay. Pre-1995, they'll all say servant because that's the word. Here's where the problem comes in, and this is why it's important to have some other tools. And, and, and uh, the word servant is the word diakonos, from which we get deacon. So is she a deacon or is she not a deacon? Well... Why is it that pre-1995, every translation ever in the history of mankind in any language translated this as servant, not as deacon? The old Darby, which is in 1890, yep. minister. Okay. Minister is still servant. Yeah. And that's what the word minister meant back then. It, it's not like a official, it didn't necessarily mean enough. That's a newer title. Like I say minister's office out there, right? That 
that's a that's not an old word that meant a title. Okay. So it says the word in the text is deacon, but then it's footnoted to say or servant. The word deacon refers to a Christian designated to serve with the overseers or elders of the church in a variety of ways. Similarly, in Philippians one one and Timothy three eight and twelve. Okay. So what I want to do, and, and I just want to explain this. I don't really want to get off onto a separate class, but I do want to just give you a illustration of why they've done this and why this is an incorrect translation. And they know it. And that's the problem, is that versions that do this know what they're doing. It's, it's with a bias. Any translator worth his salt knows that uh, this is a masculine ending. Diakonos is a masculine ending. If this was given as a position for a woman, it would have been feminized, much like if you will read your Bible, you will see prophetess, Right? or any of those, priestess, any of those masculine ending words will be changed if it's referring to a title for a person, it will be feminized. But here it retains its masculine, meaning that it's just the word, what the word itself means, which is servant. It's not, it's, in its basic, most common translation, it means a servant. Uh, so, Every, that's why every translation prior to this translated it one way. Because like a, you know, a freshman translator of Greek would have, would have understood that. That is a basic rule. So the, it, that's why I say these are biased translations. This isn't you know, four or five versions accidentally got it wrong all at the same time. Uh, so they have to want to get there. I'll give you one more type of a, um, uh, version. This is what I call vague versions. They're not necessarily pushing an agenda, but they're just so, their attempt to um, try to get a really modern-y sounding language has oversimplified things to the point where it's, it's pointless to read it. It's like, then Jesus did a lot of cool stuff. Okay. That really has no value. Um, and uh, the good news for modern man, remember that, I referred to that one, and the one you, you, you'll have, see it around the message. It is, to me, you might as well just, I mean, it's as accurate uh, a translation of the Bible as Chronicles of Narnia. So, I mean, you might as well just read Chronicles of Narnia and get the same basic idea. So. Are these what you would consider like paraphrases too? So. Um, yeah, so, so what we call paraphrase would be divided up between the thought translations like the NIV and then these at the way far, far, far end of paraphrase. These to me are not worth the money spent just because. I'd, I'd rather just read a novel. So, um, so I want to get any questions there before we move on. All right, I want to get to just some other tools. Um, this is where we get really boring, um, unfortunately. Uh, but we talked about an interlinear Bible. Uh, an interlinear Bible, and I'll show you a picture of what that, that means, what that, whoa, what that looks like here. Okay, that's what an interlinear Bible would look like. Right? So it would have the English, and over on the left hand, you see the, it would have the English underneath. You would have the Greek words on top, and then you have those numbers. I'm going to show you what those numbers mean. Uh, those are those are 
a guy by the name of, I don't even know, Albert Strongs, I think, uh, went through and alphabetized, like a dictionary, every Greek word in the Bible and gave them all a number. And he did it in the Old Testament, too, all the Hebrew words. Um, and, and then you can go back and forth, and then you would go to... Uh, so that's the, the concordance. Uh, you would take those numbers, and I don't know if you can see those. I'm having a hard time. Uh, but if we looked at the word angry, you'd see there's different numbers on the right-hand side. So, so there's different words translated as um, anger or angry. Well, which one means what? Uh, that could be important. They, they might have slightly different nuances. Um, you might say incorrect things. And I'll, I'll give you an example of, of something that uh, kind of more towards the close here and, and I, I think is, is really interesting in, in looking at not using the word anger but actually the opposite, using the word love. Um, that is, to me, a very interesting thing that comes out in understanding different words and how they're, they're used. Uh, so, so you would then you would be able to take this. You would be able to look up all the times. Uh, and what's handy, and this is why I say about the technology that we have, you can filter those out, you know, with a click of a button, and it just and just give you the the ones if you wanted to look up uh, 5.99, okay? And you would be able to look up all the 5.99s. This is this is how it's used, and you get a common idea. Oh, oh, the ones over here, it's kind of used more like this. Um, so, so that's uh, how, how that works. Um, when we went over, and this is why it's important. Um, when we went over, we're studying, and I'm, I would try to do little graphics for, for people in Russian. That got dangerous. So I, I, I completely wasted one night for, of people's time. So I had all these cool graphics, and I was trying to use alliteration is what I was trying to use, use as a memory tool. I'm used to doing it in English, so I tried to do it in Russian. And so I'm looking up synonyms for things. Well, I came up with the word, and I was looking for the word. Well, uh, I don't even know what I was looking for, but I, the, I know the word. I, I can't remember how I was using it, but the word mishat, which means to mix. And, uh, but, I was, but there was one that's smishat, which is almost the same word. It comes from the same, has the same root, but it means to hinder. Well, I picked the one to hinder, <laughs> and it completely wasted. And people were like, what? This makes no sense. Just the one little letter. It looks like, and so you say, well, this is from the root or whatever. But, so afterwards, my translator has to come, you completely used the wrong word. Uh, oh, and there's little things like that. The day we left, I was still doing it. And, and just, there's, there's no amount of study. This is why I say from outside of the culture. This is and even why you have to be a little careful with Strong's and Thayer's and all the ones that you would use. They didn't live in that culture. They're not perfect. That's why I don't quote the Greek as an actual, like a, as an absolute proof of anything, uh, of any major significant doctrine. I don't use the Greek to do that way. I use it to enrich my study, but I don't use it to prove points because I really don't know what I'm talking about. I can quote this person or that person, but, but as an authority on it, I lived in a language for a different language for 11 years, and I'm no authority on it. To sit here and look at a culture 2,000 years later and pretend, when when people get into arguments from the Greek, I laugh at them. I do. So I'm like, if I dropped you in Greece, you couldn't find a bathroom. You could. 
I had the same problem with English. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so these are Bible dictionaries. I mentioned the Thayer's is a Greek one. It's um, he specialized in Greek. There's one called Brown's Driver and Briggs. They are really, really good. Relatively, they're, they're I should say they're more detailed. Um, again. They'll give you like a regular dictionary. This is definition one, definition two, definition three. That only helps me so far. I can kind of get an idea of what it means. I can't give you statements of fact of this means this. I have to dig more and more and find out, you know, get a consensus of what people thought about it. But if you're looking for, I have no idea what this means. This will at least get you pointed um, in the right direction. The last, um, the last tool is commentaries. I put it last because this is where it belongs. Um, it is dangerous. Commentaries are dangerous. Um, so, uh, be very, very cautious. These are opinions of other men. Um, depending on how old you are, they might not have access to some of the stuff that we have found since. There might be newer information they were not aware of. Uh, they also came out of biases, you know. And so it's good if you're going to read a commentary. First of all, don't read just one. Um, people use, oh, Albert Barnes. And they quote Albert Barnes, Albert Barnes, Albert Barnes. Okay. Uh, Adam Clark. I'm going to quote Adam Clark or Matthew Henry or whoever you're going to quote. And I'm like, you're putting your faith in one guy. Um, and he's going to be wrong at some point in time. You know, have a, and, and don't go, he's like, are you preaching the Bible or are you preaching Albert Barnes? Those are good tools, but understand they're just tools. Um, so I use multiple. I don't rely on one. I do not quote them like the Bible. Um, and, I, and I know they're blind spots. I know which one comes from a Calvinist background. I know which one comes from this background. Um, do not look for commentaries that agree with you. Um, I'll say this cautiously. Among the worst commentaries that I've ever read are Church of Christ commentaries. I'm sorry. <laughs> I find them to be among the worst. Bios? Yes. Um, and, uh, people love James Burton Kaufman. I, I, most of the stuff he says is good, but it's just like... I don't know. Uh, I, I find his logic to be awful at, and, at, in a lot of places. Um, not all of them, and not everything they say is bad. Probably the vast majority of them, but I just find that there's people that are defensive and trying to prove points. Um, so um, I, I, I use, I'll use them, I'll refer to them, but I'm, again, very cautious. <coughs> Uh, about things. So I want to teach you a little bit um, about some software really really fast and I want to explain. So you can see it's kind of I have all of my tools on one screen instead of having a pile of books. Um, the Bible and up at the top you see all those little tabs there are all my versions. Uh, I can go below and I've got all my dictionaries or concordances. Um, I, over on the right hand side I've got all my commentaries and then I can even make notes if I wish. Um, I can make notes on individual verses, and it'll save them there. And anytime I pull up that verse, it'll have a note, which I almost never use that tool. 
and then you see all those numbers. Those numbers are the numbers we talked about. Uh, where it, I can look at this verse and I can click on that and go down and hit the King James Concordance there uh, and that will tell me all the times that that verse is used in the Bible. Uh, I can go and click on that and click on a dictionary and it will tell me what it means. So I have everything on one page and it's really, it speeds up the process. And then I can, I can even compare. I have two tabs, compare and parallel, which are uh, similar things. Um, but the parallel one, it just each verse in as many versions as I choose among the ones that I own, it'll show me right next to it. So I can put, and I'll show you how I do this. Uh, I want to read um, a passage, and it's in John. And I want to, uh, we'll read it first and then I'll go there. Um, I believe it's John 19. And we'll, we'll kind of work through this and show you how this works and how you deepen your understanding and, and some of what uh, you're reading using some of these tools. I don't want it just to be boring information here. But um, <laughs> No, it's not John 19. It is... I did not... I put this in after I did my stuff here. So... All right, John 21. Someone want to read verses uh, 15 through 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Through 17, yep. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. All right. Well, we read that and we get the basic idea, right? Uh, Jesus seems to be pressing Peter. Peter's getting a little uncomfortable. Right? That, uh, why do you think it says the third time he was, he was offended almost at the, the third time he said to him, uh, feed my sheep? Or not feed my sheep, but do you love me? What? Okay. Mm-hmm. Anybody else drawing something from the number three? I've, I've always thought, you know, that was how many times he denied him. <laughs> I'm like, and this is the way I looked at it because I was focusing on number three. And I don't, I'm, I'm going to give you at least something that maybe this is... Maybe this is significant, or maybe it isn't. Um, but it is something I think to be. Um, so I click. In, I'm going to click on my next screen. Is going to be what you would see if you 
clicked on my parallel tab up there. This is, and this is program is called eSword, by the way. It's free. Uh, you can buy stuff on it. There are some Bibles, like I said, that have licenses that just legally they have to sell. Um, and some commentaries. But a good everything that you see up there is free. Uh, so this is what it would look like if I clicked and you're like, whoa, that's like information overload. It's not really. Um, and that's the, the beauty of those purple numbers is that I can click on it and see everything in English. But what this does is this tells me on the left side is all those verses. And then that's the Greek, which I don't really know that well. I can read the words. That's about it. Uh, but I can't, I can't tell you what most of those words mean. But what would happen is if I click on those words, it would give me that. Um, and even those in the blue numbers, those tell me the parts of speech and if it's plural or singular and all that stuff. Those are just abbreviations. But I want you to look at the word love. Uh, and again, it's in King James. I apologize for that. Um, but you'll notice that there's two different words used for love in this. When we read it, we're just, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I love you. Love you. Love, you know I love you. And, and we're just reading that. And we're not getting a subtlety that there's different words being used throughout this whole thing. Two different words. One, uh, and we're going to, as we go through, we're, they're going to correspond to those two words. And you see agapas and philo, or philais, which is just they're the same root, just different endings. Um, and if I clicked on those numbers, right, I would find that agape is a deep love. We talk about agape. That's, that is their most profound love. That's the way they summarized it. But if I went over here and I, and I clicked on that number, it would bring up phileo or philo, which is like an affectionate. It's like, I like, like, I like chocolate. That's like that kind of love. I really love chocolate. But that's not like I love my wife. Not, those are two different kinds of love. I'm, I really like chocolate, right? But, so now, armed with that, let's go back into the text and see what's going on here. So, when they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, do you have deep love for me? Peter said, yeah, I like you. Feed my sheep. So they're sitting there, and he again says, he says to him, Peter, do you have deep love for me? Jesus, I really like you. And this is the next one is where he gets grieved. Now, now the third time, Jesus says, "Do you like me? Do you even like me?" Now he was grieved because he asked him if he liked him. Philo, you know that I like you. You know everything. You know I like you. Peter, at this point, never professed a deep, profound love. He couldn't bring himself to do it yet. He could only get himself to affection. And the third time, Jesus says, do you even like me? You don't get that simply from 
from the English. You can get the same. You can get the basic story. You see how it, 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 it takes a like an old grainy black and white picture tube TV and it brings it into high definition when you're when you're seeing what you're reading. Like it, it to me, it's like you're just sitting there, right with Peter, and, and you're really seeing the actual event unfold. That's why to me, that's where the value is in this. It's not that I need to know all this to to know the basic events or to know what I have to do to be saved or that I have to know these words to know, but to get the depth of, of the story that Jesus is trying to communicate. English is very limited because I, I, it wasn't written to me. And we're going to get to that in a later lesson. So uh, I hope that was valuable. Any, any thoughts before we, before we close? All right.